When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Baseball Insiders Podcast with Mark Carmen and Robert Murray. The baseball playoffs are here. This is the most exciting time of the year. Robert Murray, our baseball insider. We're starting in the National League. The baseball playoffs are here. Robert Ford from the Houston Astros radio play-by-play voice coming up. We got some breaking news in a second, but Bert, can we just underline as we get going here, how in the world the St. Louis Cardinals are in this position to knock off who many, I'd say, I don't know, 98% of predictors had the Dodgers winning the World Series this year, and now they're staring at Adam Wainwright. They're staring at a Cardinals team that won 17 straight, and uh, yeah, they're not fully healthy here either, so I guess... Props to St. Louis, I think. <laughs> Massive props to St. Louis. If you would have told me they were in this spot like uh, two months ago, I would have told you that you were nuts um, because like nobody in their right mind would have thought this was coming. The, the St. Louis Cardinals, they were in fourth place not too long ago. And then they surged to within like eight games in the National League Central, moving into second place and eventually winning that second wildcard spot. Like that's a simply remarkable run what they just did here. Are we giving credit to Mike Schilt? Are we giving credit to veteran leadership? Is it just the baseball gods that wanted to see Albert Pujols go up against his former team in a wild card take take all playoff game? I and mean, what's going on here? How did this happen? Oh God, that Pujols against the Cardinals—that's oh, tremendous theater. It doesn't get better than that. But with the Cardinals, I think it's a mix of everything. It's Schilt; like he gets a lot of heat from Cardinals fans, and I don't think he deserves a lot of it. Like he's he's a good manager, and the players love him there. Um, and if you look at their hitting, they have Nolan Arenado, who's arguably the best third baseman in baseball, Paul Goldschmidt, who is hotter than all can be, Tyler O'Neill. They have Dylan Carlson, who's had a really nice rookie season. And Harrison Bader's really stepped up lately, too. Along with that pitching staff that's been headlined by Wainwright, who does not seem to age whatsoever, like just signed a one-year extension. All of those things mixed together has made this run possible. And it's why, like, I don't think they're going to beat the Dodgers, but it's going to be competitive. So they have one more thing going for them. Let's get to your breaking news, and it's it's not good for L.A. No, it's not. And you could kind of see the writing on the wall yesterday when Dave Roberts said it was very unlikely that Max Muncy would play in the wildcard game, that it was unlikely that he would end up playing in a series after that should they advance. Um, but I'm told entering today, the Dodgers fear that Max Muncy is going to be out for the season with an elbow injury. Um, they... 
the MRI has either taken place or it's about to take place and they're waiting for definitive results there. Um, but they're optimistic that he will not need surgery and that he would be back from spring training, but entering that MRI, they are of the belief that Max Muncy will be out for the season. So the play that caused it you had, and this is a, uh, I mean, this is a guy that's got, you know, 36 homers. That's fourth in the national league. I mean, middle of the order masher here uh, for those who are not following the Dodgers super close. Max Muncy's a big loss, but you had a bunt drop down, um, by Jace Peterson, Will Smith fields it, fires to first, Muncy sticking out his left-handed glove in front of the runner and gets cracked. There's nothing that he could do, but and this is also impossible, but it's my my premise of baseball. Not not so much don't play hard, but always keep yourself safe. And a play like that you've played first base, you know, a ton. Maybe you just sized it all up. This is not going to end well. You just let the ball go. And yeah, it sucks in the moment. You didn't get that out, but you're ready for a wild card game. You're ready for a uh, you know, playoff run. No, you're exactly right. And the Brewers kind of adopted that strategy too. Um, going into the series, it's not like they weren't making those plays by any means. It was taking players out that they consider key players in early situations, a lot earlier than you'd like to, or than you'd usually see. Uh, the number one point of that being Corbin Burns being removed after two innings, like the, the Dodgers, they can overcome the loss of Muncie. Like I think that's going to end up not being an issue with the amount of talent that they have with Trey Turner, with Mookie Betts, with all of these players in the roster, but filling in that hole at first base, they have Albert Pujols, who you mentioned is going to face his former team. They do not have a capable in-house replacement. They have, I mean, Pujols is, Really good against left-handed pitchers. He's got almost uh, well, like a 979 OPS against left-handers. And against right-handers, he's got a 500 OPS. Well, that's a significant difference. They have Matt Beattie on the bench, too. They have Cody Bellinger who can play at first, but they prefer him at center field. It's going to take a collective effort from this team, and losing Muncie was an MVP candidate, that, that, that hurts. That impacts him in a great way. Who do you think gets the bulk of the at-bats? you think they'll just do platoon, Albert against lefties, and however they're going to do the righties? I mean, I you think the Pools is starting in game one, or in the wildcard game, rather? I think he starts in, in the wildcard game. It's going to be Pools against Wainwright, and like, those two are really good friends. It's going to be – that's going to be weird for everybody involved, but especially those two, but I, I, I can't wait to watch. And if the Dodgers advance, I think Pools is going to see the majority of the bats because – he has been in this situation plenty of times and postseason experience, especially for this Dodgers team is going to be pretty important. Yeah. All right. Dodgers and Cardinals, pretty, uh, pretty exciting stuff here as we, I, you know, you're, you're mentioning the end of the season. I, I, it's hard to say like, should you not have been pushing as hard to catch the giants, but I think you got to, Right. You don't want you don't want to be in a one game. It's baseball's crazy. So I get why Muncie's trying to make the plays and, and the, the Brewers are able to rest their players because they're in. They've got yeah. you know, they, they've got Atlanta. This is not it's, it's not the case here for, for L.A. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And like the Dodgers are going full bore. They were trying to win these games and they swept the Brewers and the Brewers, as I said, they were resting these players. But as soon as the Giants were, it was clear that they were going to win on Sunday. You could see Walker Bueller. He was dominating against the Brewers. He was taken out of the game, and they slowly started to remove their their starters. And um, had they been in a position where they would have clinched um, the division earlier than that, I'm sure 
they would end up adopting the same strategy as the brewers and not having these guys go too long. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's an unfortunate scenario for the Dodgers and one they're going to have to overcome. All right. We got a matchup in the American league with the Yankees and the Red Sox and some interesting uh, inside stuff that bird has on that, but we'll take our first quick timeout. Robert Ford play by play voice for the Houston Astros is coming up. You've got the baseball insiders. Do you like when the Yankees and Red Sox play each other or as a guy who lives in Wisconsin with a Badgers helmet behind you, if you're watching this video, are you so sick of Red Sox Yankees that even them playing each other in the wild card kind of bothers you? No, it doesn't bother me at all. I absolutely love it. Like this is one of the best rivalries in baseball and we get to watch it in a winner take all like team that doesn't win is, is out They're Like they're done. And the winner advances and plays the Tampa Bay Rays. You have the best record in the American league. Like, you couldn't have asked for anything better than this. And like this series is, or this game, I should say, um, there, both teams have weaknesses. Like this is not going to be easy. It's going to be fun, but it's, uh, as I said, there's weaknesses. So bring back Pedro, bring back Zim. Let's get uh, all oh. the angst out there. Come on. Oh, I, I need, I need at least one pitcher chucking the manager to the side and, and causing all sorts of hoopla. If I don't get that, I'm going to be disappointed. All right. Uh, there's a little bit of developing stuff around the series. J.D. Martinez, uh, this is the greatest baseball injury of all time. He sprained his left ankle. Did you see how he did it? Yeah, that was – I don't think I've ever seen an injury like that ever. Have you? The, no. I, and for the record, I have actually have not seen the video, but I, I re, I'm reading it, and this is what it says. You can explain further. He tripped over second base heading out to the outfield? Yeah. Come on. That can't be true. Honestly, like that <laughs> – I, I I don't even know how to describe it. Like that is about as freak of an injury as you can possibly imagine. I know we talked about the Muncie injury being like a fluke thing, but like if you look up the definition of fluke injury, like you'll see a picture of that JD Martinez injury. Like that's bizarre to me. Is there video of it? Oh, there has to be. Like, that's got to be trending on Twitter. You'd think, right? Uh, I mean, I'm looking for it right now, and I'm seeing like Family Guy, and 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 he's. <laughs> running out to right field and, and following but I don't I couldn't find it um I'm looking again here but I mean just just to be clear so we all understand this was in between innings he's running out to right field and somehow I don't know was he on his phone he misses he, he didn't see second base yeah what, what were you thinking about JD and now you sprain your ankle dude yeah that, that, that could cost him he's one of their best players and right like, and right. like, I don't think that'll impact him in free agency when, like when he has free agency this winter, but like, come on. I, I mean, that's just bad. Like I'm, it may have accidentally solved one of the Red Sox's key issues actually. Um, so I, I don't want to say blessing in disguise, but the Red Sox, they have four players. They are Kyle Schwarber, Alex Verdugo, Martinez, and Bobby Dalbeck um, for three spots defensively. Um, and for the most part, they, at least recently, have sacrificed good offense and tried to go for a slightly better defensive alignment. And it's kept a guy like Kyle Schwarber out of the lineup. And I had an executive sound off about it and say that, like, it was, I'll read you off of the exact quote. You play a player who has produced in playoff games and is a World Series hero. That's why you traded for him. He's seventh in baseball on OPS plus, and he's sitting on the bench every other day. And he said, if you do not play a guy like Kyle Schwarber every day, you're either one, you're not going to beat the Yankees, or two, you're not going to go in the playoffs very far. 
Yeah, and and again, he's had a great season, but like you just made me think about 2016, the dude collides in center field in Arizona with Dexter Fowler, misses the, you know, he misses the whole season, and he comes back in the World Series and plays in the American League ballpark because he can't play the outfield. And he gets the biggest hit of the series, I would argue, maybe the second biggest hit of the series. He leads off the 10th inning after the 17-minute rain delay gets on, and his position in the order comes around to score on Ben Zobers' double, and the Cubs win their first World Series in 108 years. Uh, to whatever executive that is his point, I'm playing Kyle Schwarber in the playoffs. I just am. He's had a great year. Yeah, he has. And like at one point, he was the best player in baseball when he was with the Nationals. I know he hasn't been at that level with the Red Sox, but he's still been extremely good. And I have the numbers pulled up right here. So the OPSs that they, these guys have with the Red Sox, Schwarber leads with a 957 OPS. J.D. Martinez is second with an 867 OPS. Significant. That's it's a significant difference. I mean, it yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a huge difference. Like, I don't, wait, do you know the significant story, actually? Like, I'm, I'm treading off topic here, but no. How, so I, it was a couple trade deadlines ago. Um, and I tweeted that the Brewers and Dot or Brewers and Giants had a significant trade that was sending Mauricio Dubon, one of the Brewers' top prospects, to the Giants. Um, and I was under the impression that it was Will Smith or Madison Bunger Garner going to the Brewers, uh, but I didn't have it strong enough to like actually say it was them. Um, and I used the word significant in the tweet, and it turns out that the player going to the Brewers was Drew Pomeranz, who was at the time he was like a fringe major leaguer. He was probably going to end up signing a minor league deal in the off season. I got ripped to shreds. I still get like, there's memes created about it. There was gifts of me and my face created about it. Like I was getting crushed from everybody like Brewers fans. I had coaches on the Brewers and even executives on the team, like laughing at me um, and like saying, what are you doing? And a uh, long story short, Pomeranz was tremendous for the Brewers. He actually was a significant addition. Um, but and signed a four year, $34 million deal that off season with the Padres. So it turns out it was right. But like, as soon as you said that I had to tell that story, cause like that is the one that has followed me throughout my entire time in baseball. It's a good lesson, Bert, that even bad publicity is good publicity. Cause I good. bet there was, I bet there were some people who had no idea who you were before that. And then they're like, Oh, this guy. Now I now I've heard the name Robert Murray, and then look at you today, baby. Look at you. Hey, there we go. Hey, it all works out. You just got to roll with it because I like later that day I was in Oakland when it happened, and I want to say Christian Yelich extended his hitting streak to like six games. So I tweeted out Christian Yelich has extended his hitting streak to six games. That's significant, and I just rolled with it. And I had a bunch of people. Like, I feel like they appreciated that, but um, yeah, every time I hear the word significant, and you said it there, I was I think back to. Oh boy. Yeah. I, still, I had Adam McCalvey, a Brewers writer for MLB.com, uh, give me a hard time about that the other day on Twitter, too. People need to just, just own it at this point. Yes. That's that's right. True, right. Uh, all right. Of significance, uh, the Yankees are sending their ace, Garrett Cole. And we talked about Wainwright. We, we didn't even mention Max Scherzer, which is just a, a beast of a guy the Cardinals are going to have to get through here. And Evaldi uh, for the Red Sox. So, uh, give me give me your breakdown. Who wins this game? So, if we're talking Yankees Red Sox, I I'm going to go in thinking that the Red Sox win this game. Um, I think 
the Yankees, they have a real, they have an, a pressing issue. Their pitching has carried them throughout this entire season. Um, and they have a lineup that features Giancarlo Stan and Aaron Judge, who are both very good hitters. But scoring runs has been a huge issue for this team this year. They rank 19th in runs scored overall in baseball. Uh, they rank 13th with a 729 OPS. And they rank 17th in slugging with, I think it was a 407 slugging percentage. When, like, when you have a lineup that features Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stan, that, that should not happen. You should basically be in the top 10, fringe top 10 team at the least. As I said, I think the Red Sox win this game, but I don't see them advancing far. I think the Rays are just too good of a team. I think even after trading Blake Snell, what they've done in that team, they're a low-budget team, don't have the most talent in the world, but yet they still have some really good players. And they're going to be led by Wander Franco in this postseason, who's going to end up, I think it's going to be a national awake, awakening of just how good he is. So while I think the Red Sox beat the Yankees, I just don't think the run in the postseason lasts very long. Bert, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm on StubHub right now. What do you think the cheapest seat, which is in row 28 um, oh of the bleacher section 41, which is right behind the bullpens, what do you think that's going for Yankees, Red Sox? Oh God, it has been a long time since I bought a ticket, so I don't know. Um, I'll say three hundred bucks. You're right there, one hundred and ninety-five dollars. Oh, that's actually okay. Well, yeah, you want to buy those tickets with me? Make a trip out there? I, I do actually. I, that'd be a fun. That'd be a fun game to be at, and. And, you know, my stub up philosophy is that tickets always go down as we get closer to the game. So it's not uh, I I don't think Red Sox fans are acting like this is a preview for the World Series that they absolutely positively have to be at this game. But just for fans, I get it. It's just uh, maybe you're all with Bert in that. This could be this is basically the World Series because neither of these teams are getting by the race. But um, right. You would agree with that. I mean, if you're picking the Red Sox, you're not going to say the Yankees would have, would have a better shot against Tampa. Who actually why don't you answer that question? Better chance against the Rays between these two. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I so I still think it's the Red Sox because the Yankees, they're too inconsistent for my liking. And like yesterday we, we saw like just their offensive struggles at play. They almost lost the Rays. It was zero zero in the bottom of the ninth, and they had an Aaron Judge. I don't want to say like a fluke play where it went off of the pitcher's glove, uh, result in um, in in them winning that game. But I think the Red Sox they present more offensive challenges, especially when they have Schwarber in the lineup. And I think they're a more consistent team, even though they've kind of struggled in the second half. Um, I, I think the Red Sox do, um, and which is also a reason why I have them winning this game. To my Cub fan friends out there, if you're trying to figure out who to root for in this game, you got to go Schwarber over Rizzo. Rizzo, great player, overcome a lot in his life. But Schwarber's came through in the World Series, and I do think Rizzo does a little bit too much for the cameras for me. Schwarber is more salt of the earth. I'm going Schwarber over Rizzo. Wow, that's bold. That's uh, I feel like you might get some blowback for that one, my friend. I mean. Yeah. Rizzo, like that guy, he's loved everywhere. I mean, what's not to like about the guy? I mean, Schwarber's a likable guy too. Don't get me wrong, but like when I think of a Chicago Cub, I think of Anthony Rizzo. So I think I feel like you might be in the minority there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading the situation wrong, but that's my feel. You're you're right that I am in the minority. But let me try to bring up one anecdote that perhaps 
will get at least one more person on my side. Darwin Barney. Do you remember that name? Oh, yeah, the second baseman. Right. And do you remember Darwin Barney had an errorless streak at one point that was going on for 90-some-odd games, whatever it was, and he was close to breaking some record, and he threw one in the dirt to Anthony Rizzo, and Rizzo's effort was less than spectacular to try to save this guy's streak. And that resonated in that Cubs clubhouse that Riz was a little bit more about Riz than anybody ever really let on with Riz for the record. Interesting. Yeah. I, I was not aware of that. So I also forgot about that Darwin Barney streak. That's, that's a, that's a good call up by you. I like that. Yeah. I don't, I, I we're how that came out to, on, on our second ever pod. I'm not exactly sure, but Hey, it works. All right. Uh, moving on from Red Sox, Yankees, big news in, in San Diego with a managerial change. Um, was this the right move for the Padres, Jace being out after the collapse this year, or is this more of a talent issue with San Diego, which is kind of hard to say because they've got a lot of it. Yeah, I think this is absolutely the right call by San Diego. They are a team who ex- expanded payroll to record levels, and they were worse than they were last year. They didn't even make the playoffs, um, and the clubhouse is fractured. And they had turned on Tingler, and a change had to be made. Um I feel like if there was not a change made, there would have been a revolt among a lot of players or maybe even fans. Like fans, they wanted Tingler gone. Like it was a universal 100% that they wanted him gone. Um, and that was a big reason why the change was made for those two factors. Um, and that job is going to be extremely attractive. Um, I think you're going to end up being able to get any top veteran candidate that you want. Maybe there's going to be some people who are hesitant to work with AJ Preller just because he's a pretty controlling guy. And I've heard stories from people who have worked with him for, I mean, for the last few years who say he works nonstop. Like you'll get calls at three in the morning from this guy who wants to go over different trade scenarios or just different scenarios in general. Um, And he likes to give his input. Like that is something I, I respect about the guy. And he listens to his people, like people who work for him, they like him. Um, he's, he's a different cat. He's a, He's, uh, he's an acquired taste is how I'd put it. Um, but I think if you want a guy, like there's three candidates that I've heard for this job, and there's going to be more. Bruce Bochy is the guy I think everybody publicly is connected to them. Uh, Buck Showalter, the old Baltimore Orioles manager. I don't know if he gets a job. I don't think he does, but he's, I think he's somebody on their list. And then Ron Washington, the former Texas Rangers manager, uh, now works with the Atlanta Braves and is pretty, he works with a lot of guys defensively over there. Um, and he's very respected. So any of those three guys, um, I think with Bochi and Washington being the favorites, and there's also a mystery candidate out there. I'll, I'll even throw that out there right now. Um, I can't say who it is, but I'll leave it as a mystery candidate for now, but they, they should have no issue. Oh, oh, the intrigue, baby. You got to love it. Okay. So Without naming mystery candidate's name, do you think it goes to mystery candidate? Or I guess I would think that Bruce Bochy is the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, I, I don't think it goes to the mystery candidate. I think okay. if Preller got his way, he'd get it. Um, but I don't think ownership allows it. I think, they, I think ownership is going to want a veteran candidate who has done this before. So that the, that's the essence right there of a bad organization, by the way. Even though 
I mean, the White Sox hired Tony LaRusso because the owner wanted to hire Tony LaRusso and the White Sox are in the playoffs and maybe they have, maybe they'll win the World Series. But in general, you let your GM do his job and that's how you decide who your manager is, not upper owner management, correct? See, I typically agree with you. Like, I think the person you hire to make the decisions should be the one making the decisions. But AJ Preller, to me, has lost the benefit of the doubt. He's hired Andy Green, who not a very good manager. Um, and even after firing Green, there was a lot of support internally about hiring somebody um, more experienced for the job. He went with his guy, who's one of his closest friends, and Jace Tingler from the Texas Rangers. And this experiment has failed, um, or it, it failed. Um, so I, I think ownership is going to be looking over his head more. I think they'll listen to Preller and what he has to say. But when it's all said and done, I think it, it has to be a, uh, a veteran candidate. I mean, if you don't trust your GM to make the hire, then you should fire your general manager. And that is what a lot of people in baseball think. I don't think the Padres do it. I don't think the ownership does it. But um his seat is definitely getting warm. And if they don't start winning soon, then his job status is going to be even more in question. But for now, he's safe. He's not going anywhere. All right. Let's take our last time out here before we bring in. Actually, it's our second to last time out. Got to get my break straight here on the podcast. But uh, play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros, who are getting ready to take on the White Sox, Robert Ford, who's going to tell a story about how he made his first ever, ever demo tape. Uh, one actually at Yankee Stadium and the other at Shea, along with a look at the Astros and their chances to uh, hang another flag down in Houston. That is next on the Baseball Insiders Podcast. Our big guest today here, um, taking on the Chicago White Sox, my Chicago White Sox, damn it, uh, three years pre and post for the Sox and plus TV this year. Bert, um, come with me. Hey, uh, hey, Robert. How have the Astros done this? And, and I know Bert's got a zillion questions for you, but I just can you explain why year after year, after trash cans, after people booing and everything else going on, their managerial changes, that the Astros just keep rolling along here? The rotation has changed, but the success has not? I mean, have really good players and a really good core. That's where it starts, right? Um, I mean, when you start with, you know, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, and Yuli Gurriel on the infield and, then you add in Kyle Tucker, who broke out last year in the shortened season and was even better this year. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously no longer having uh, Justin Verlander out for the year. and uh, Garrett Cole no longer on the Astros. Uh, Charlie Morton not here anymore. Uh, you know, they still were able to produce some good pitchers out of their system. You know, you think about Jose Urquidy, Lance McCullers, and Framber Valdez. Those two are probably going to be the game's one and two starters in the division series in some order. Uh, yeah, it starts with really good players. That's the short answer. Yeah, and you mentioned Gurriel. Like, he won a batting title in his age 37 season. I think he's pretty underrated nationally. Like, from your perspective, like, what do you see in him that makes him so good? Well, I think the fact that he's a very balanced hitter and he hits the ball to all fields. Uh, I mean, any good hitter who's able to win a batting title has to be able to do that. Uh, and then this year, he really increased his walk rate. I think he walked 60 times this year. The most he'd ever walked in the season and a full season before this year was 37. Um, and he's even said that, you know, in the past, he always thought walks were bad, but he came to embrace them this year. And that led him to take some pitches that he wouldn't have taken in the past, which leads to him getting uh, better pitches to hit. Robert Ford 
has been the voice of the Astros now for how many years? Nine years? Ten years? It's my ninth year. Your ninth, ninth year. Your ninth year. Their first year, they won how many games? 51. 51. And that was in a 162-game season, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did they lose? Did they do worse the next year? No, they won uh, seventy games the next year, and okay. the front office was doing somersaults because that's what they had projected—that they'd win seventy games, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was nineteen more wins than the year before. So, yeah, you you knew you were you were on your way. How, how do you do? You think that the amount of uh, let's use the word angst uh, that was directed at the club actually helped the club stay focused throughout a 162 game season. Am I overstating that? I don't know if it helped them stay focused, but I think after a while, when you get booed in every stadium, it just becomes background noise. Uh, so I think that's, that's really what it was. I mean, I think back to the first series of the year for the Astros, they opened in Oakland. Uh, and obviously at that point there were still capacity limits on attendance and things like that. Uh, but they, they, they got it pretty good in Oakland. And I mean, that's a team obviously that, that has been a big Astros rival over the last few years in the American league West. Uh, and they really heard it from their fans and the Astros went out and swept the A's. I mean, it didn't even look like in that series, those two teams belonged in the same field, to be honest. Uh, and I think that kind of set the tone where the booing wasn't going to be a distraction uh, the insults, the heckling, they weren't going to be a distraction. They may not help the team, but they weren't going to hurt them. So, again, when you get booed everywhere, you just kind of get used to it, and I think that's what happened. Yeah, and sticking to stuff on the field, like what do you think is their biggest weakness entering this postseason? And like, I know a lot of people think it's the bullpen, but what, what do you think? Oh, I th- definitely think it's the bullpen. Um, uh, earlier in the year, I thought the, the position player depth was an issue but I feel like they've been able to address that a little bit uh, with some, some guys that they've brought up from their farm system. Uh, you know, Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick has had a really good year, so they can use them, kind of go back and forth in center field and things like that. But I think the bullpen certainly is better than it was before the trade deadline. You know, they added Kendall Graveman. They added Yimmy Garcia. I think Yimmy Garcia is going to be really big for them, particularly in this series against the White Sox, you know, which is a very heavily right-handed lineup. Uh, so I think the bullpen's gotten better, but I still think that when you, you look at things, that, that that's definitely the, the biggest weakness of this ball club. And I think that's going to be one of the big questions, especially if you have a game where your starter goes really short into the postseason. As we know, starters tend not to go as deep anyway uh, as they do during the regular season when these days they don't really go very deep at all. But, uh, you know, if you have a game where you have to cover, you know, five innings out of your bullpen, I think that's a bigger issue for the Astros than it might be for some other playoff teams. So I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Robert, but uh, the White Sox have a manager by the name of Tony La Russa. I believe he's 76 years old. And uh, I think the Astros manager is Dusty Baker. They hate each other, Robert Ford, or at least a significant dislike. How do you think this plays out in the series if in any way? Because I find it to be very entertaining. I mean, I think they're going to be too busy just trying to win ball games to really worry about a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I mean, you're not trying to get into anything in general anyway, but especially not in the postseason. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I feel like Dusty Baker would believe that the biggest statement he could make would be beating Tony La Russa in the division series. And I would guess that Tony La Russa feels the same way about Dusty Baker. 
Um, so I think that's where the the focus is going to be. Have you have you ever asked him the root of uh, where this comes from? Do you have any idea? I have, and if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for there, people- I, I will say there. I mean, look. They managed to get to each other for years when Dusty was in the NL Central with the with the Reds and the and the Cubs, and obviously Tony was with uh, the the uh, Cardinals. And don't forget, uh, Dusty Baker's last big league manager was Tony Larusa in nineteen eighty six. Larusa's first year in Oakland, and you know that was Dusty's last year as an active player. Um, so you know it, there's there's a lot of history there. Um, and I think that's 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 where it starts. My, my understanding is it goes back to '86. He did not like how Tony handled him. Bert, get in here. I know I know you've got deep thoughts on on this series. Oh yeah, I got deep thoughts on this series. But I want to I want to take a step forward real quick and ask you about Carlos Correa because he's a free agent at the end of the year, and a lot of people assume that he's going to leave because um, of a low ball offer by the Astros. Like, do you think he's do you think he's gone after this year? I think it's very likely. Um, yeah, the Astros, according to Correa, uh, lowballed him with an offer before the season, and Correa had made it clear that uh, after opening day, he wasn't going to negotiate in season. I mean, obviously, after the season's over, uh, he will, but in season, he wasn't going to negotiate. So um, he felt like he didn't get an offer that that was commiserate with with what he's done in the big leagues at this point and, and what he can do in the big leagues moving forward. Uh, but I think that you know, to Correa's credit, he's a professional. And there was, I don't think there was any animosity. He, I mean, you look at the year he had, he had probably his best big league season this year. He was able to stay healthy, um, which has always been the big knock on him uh, as being able to, to stay healthy. He was able to do that, uh, had a great offensive year. Uh, you know, I think, I think he should win the gold glove uh, based on the eye test. And also, I mean, he leads in defensive run save among shortstops, things like that. Uh, I, I don't, I would never say it's a foregone conclusion that somebody has gone until they're gone. And obviously the Astros are going to make him a qualifying offer, uh, so that they can get draft pick compensation. Uh, should he depart? Um, I'm sure the Astros will, will try and bring him back in the fold if they, they feel like there's it's something that they can do. And that makes sense. And Correa certainly does love playing in Houston and he certainly loves playing with, you know, Altuve and Bregman and all of those guys. He loves his teammates. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but you know, it's a business and I think Correa understands that about as well as anybody. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at it that way, it's probably unlikely that he's back with the Astros, but I don't think it's out of the question. Heart and soul of the team. Is that too tall for him or is that spot on? Um, I think he and Altuve probably are, I'd say both of them are, um, Correa is more of the vocal kind of presence and leader Altuve isn't as vocal, although when he's one of those guys that I think when he does speak, people listen because he's not, he just doesn't do it a ton. Um, I'd, I'd say those two. Yeah. And, uh, and with the Astros uh, and being able to replace him next year, if he's gone, but this year he's really stepped up as Kyle Tucker. Um, he's busted out onto the scene. What have you seen from him? That's made him like so impressive. Well, you know, he's, I mean, he was the fifth overall pick in the draft. I think, People sometimes forget that. I mean, there's a, he has a lot of talent. The Astros had the second and fifth picks in the uh, 2015 draft, the number two pick they used on Bregman. That's worked out. Um, and, you know, they drafted Tucker over Andrew Benatendi, who they had considered at that spot, uh, but decided to when Tucker was available that they were going to take him. Uh, and, I, I mean, I think it starts with the talent. Uh, he got a couple of opportunities uh, before last year 
2018, he came up uh, and basically was given a chance to play every day and didn't do very well. Um, he got some opportunities in 2019, although not as many, and they were more spotty, didn't perform particularly well. Uh, but I think last year, you know, maybe a little more comfortable, uh, knew he was going to play every day. Uh, maybe the change in management helped. I don't know. But, um, he, he, you know, and he, maybe he just matured. And uh, I think that we've seen what Kyle Tucker can do offensively uh, with the power he can hit for a good average. Uh, I mean, he finished top 10 in the league in hitting. Uh, and he's also a really good uh, right fielder, has a strong arm, uh, makes all the plays out there and then some. Uh, he's, he's a really good player. Um, and I think one thing that's gotten better this year over last year is his strike zone judgment, uh, understanding, having a better understanding of what pitches he can drive within the strike zone and being able to understand that there's certain pitches, they may be strikes, but you probably shouldn't swing at them unless you're down, unless you're down two strikes. Uh, and, and I think he, he has a better idea of, of, of what he is as a hitter. Two things before you get out of here. Uh, and we appreciate the time, Robert Ford, my hero. Number one, is it true? And I've had you on before, so I know it's true, but I just think people need to hear this. For those baseball people out there that want to be Robert Ford and, and do play-by-play on the radio, TV, whatever level, you did your demo tape sitting in Yankee Stadium with a fan sitting right next to you, and, and you put that on your tape that some dude hit a home run? That right? Am I right about that? You were sitting in the stands? I was for the first demo I ever made to get my first baseball job in the minor leagues, uh, Yakima, Washington, the Yakima Bears, 2002, Northwest League, loses the 22 in a row at one point in that season. Uh, but that's another that's another <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, I um, and I, I didn't just have a fan sitting next to me. I mean, it was Yankees, Red Sox. It was sold out. Uh, so I had <laughs> a lot of fans sitting next to me at Yankee Stadium. Uh, and, uh, that, although the first call of my demo was actually, cause I also, uh, uh, did play by play to a tape recorder at some Mets games, uh, in 2001. And the first demo, the first call in my first demo, that got me my first job was my call of Mike Piazza's home run against the Braves in the first game in New York city after nine 11, that wound up being wow. the game winning home run. Uh, that was the, the first call, you know, uh, they didn't play it in any of the, the documentaries and retrospectives looking back on 9-11 and baseball and 9-11 Mistake. Um, this year, which, you know, I, I try not to take it personally. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, that was that was the um, that was the first call on my demo. But yeah, I made a demo sitting in the stands, Yankees, Yankee and Chase Stadium. Bert, I mean, does that is that not a guy that belongs on the baseball insiders? My, you you can be on every week. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> always warm for you. Who, who's the best team that's not in the playoffs, Robert Ford? You've seen them all. Probably Toronto, yeah. uh, at least in the American League. Uh, that's a really good ball club. Not only can they can they mash, but uh, they actually finished with the fewest strikeouts in all of baseball, just ahead of the Astros or just below the Astros, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, but, yeah, those are the one one and two teams – in terms of fewest strikeouts for an offense. And, you know, the Blue Jays, I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., any other year, he's probably a slam dunk MVP if Otani isn't doing what he's doing. You know, Springer, you know, is finally healthy. And even with him, without him for much of the year, they still they still produce Bo Bichette. And then you throw in, you know, they got Jose Barrios at the deadline, uh, Yunjin Ryu. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good pitching staff. And they finally got their bullpen healthy in the latter part of the year, because that was an issue for them for much of the year, was it seemed like every day they were losing a reliever to the injured list. 
so I think probably the, the Toronto Blue Jays. I, I got one more for you, if you don't mind. So I don't know if you're much of a predictions guy, but who do you have one winning the White Sox and Astros series and two, who do you have in the World Series? Well, um, I'll just I'll give you the 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 White Sox Astros series. I mean, yeah, I'm a little biased. I think the Astros uh, will be able to win the series. Uh, I think um, it's going to come down to uh, how each offense does against the other team starters, since that's the strength of both of these teams is the rotations. Uh, and I also think that uh, you know you look at what the White Sox have done this year against teams above 500. Uh, you look at what the White Sox have done this year against teams outside of the division. Uh, you look at what the White Sox have done on the road. Ain't great. Uh, and, For those and, who don't know. Yeah. And so I think all of that is in the Astros' favor. Also, another thing that I think is underrated or hasn't maybe been talked about a, a lot nationally, certainly, is the White Sox aren't very good defensively. Um, and I think that's, that, that could be a problem. Those are the, that's the sort of thing that shows up more in the postseason. It's not even so much you're making a bunch of errors. It's just the balls you don't get to, the plays you don't make. I mean, and against against really good teams in the postseason, like the Astros or anybody else, you know, not making a play can be the difference between getting out of an inning and winning a game and losing a game because a team was able to get two, three, four runs, take advantage of a mistake or two. Um, and so that's one thing about the Astros team. They are very good defensively, and they don't they don't make a whole lot of mistakes uh, defensively. And I think in the postseason, that's really what it's about. Luis Roberts got to channel his Kelly leak out in center field when you've got uh, Eloy and whoever's going to play right field for the Sox. I think it's going to be Leary Garcia. They said makes the most sense, but they'll change that out late in, late in games. At least they were planning to, but Adam Engels heard we don't need to go into the 23rd guy on the White Sox to wrap up this part of the podcast, but we just did. So there's that. Hey, Robert. I think you're going to be in Chicago for at least two nights. I think the series is going four, if not five. So, uh, yeah, it's, you're, you get to come back to a world-class city. Get out of that dungeon that, that is Houston. <laughs> I would call Houston a dungeon. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty nice city. I do like Chicago, though. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I lived in Houston, love Houston, love Memorial Park, but, you know, um, you get to come to Chicago. I'm looking forward to seeing you. And uh, thank you for being on the Baseball Insiders, my friend. All right, looking forward to seeing you guys. Take care. Thanks to our guy, Robert Ford, who uh, is looking very strong in his beliefs on his Houston Astros. Did you agree with him, Bert, on who is the best team that's not in the playoffs? Yeah, I totally agree with him. As soon as he mentioned the Blue Jays and how good they are, like how talented they are both hitting and pitching, I, I couldn't agree with him more. And one guy he didn't mention on the pitching side is Robbie Ray, who is probably go- – well, he's going to win the Cy Young. Like, he's been – phenomenal for them um and he would have started a wild card game against either the the red sox or the yankees and that would have been a nightmare with you having the cy young candidate go up there with that lineup that would have been that would have had disaster written all over and you know how i said that i did not think the red sox or the yankees would have beaten the rays i think the blue jays they would have given the rays a very strong run for their money um so when he said that i thought he was spot on and i don't know if it's sustainable though because they have um, as I mentioned, Ray and also Marcus Simeon, who's been fantastic for them this year. Both of them are upcoming free agents. I think at least one of them returns, um, but I don't think it's a guarantee that both are back just because it's going to be pretty lucrative. Um, but for this year, at least, I thought the Blue Jays were the obvious candidate. That's the painful part of your team like Toronto, who does not spend big and you're just that close. And then you're going to lose guys and it's hard to 
figure out when you're going to get back there. And maybe they'll, I mean, they're saying they'll be back there next year, but you know, the Yankees and Red Sox and company always raising the bar. I would just like to point out uh, that I feel a little bit of sadness for the Seattle Mariners who had a great late season run and they were emotional on the field yesterday when the seat with the season wrapping up like that's, that's like, you just, it's rare that you see guys carrying that much. So I, I don't know if they were better than the blue Jays, but I would have liked to have seen the M's in the playoffs. Yeah. Hey, you and me both. And I don't think they are better than the blue Jays, but it's hard not to root for a team that is the underdog like that, especially with when you have a guy like Kyle Seeger on the team, like it was, they were saying goodbye to him yesterday. Like as soon as they missed the playoffs, like that marked the end of his time in Seattle. Uh, they have a decision to make on their, I think it's a $20 million club option. Um, and if you can read the tea leaves with how the Mariners view that situation, one um, in the offseason, one of their top executives who is now no longer with the team, Kevin Mather, said that they viewed him as a declining player or even an overrated player. And also John Heyman tweeted yesterday that Seeger and Jerry DePoto, who runs the, Mar- or the Mariners baseball operations department, they don't talk. They haven't talked for years, not even if they're passing each other in the hallway, like not even a hello. Like not a single word. Um, and you don't do that with a player you're going to end up keeping in the offseason. So they, it's it sucked for the Mariners because that would have been a real cool Cinderella story. Um, but that marked the end of an era for Seager in Seattle. And I wonder if in the offseason that Corey and Kyle, both brothers, the Seager brothers, I wonder if they try to team up together. That'd be interesting. It would. Yeah, yeah that's going to be pretty pricey, but. Yeah, like that would be a very fascinating story. Maybe they take less to be with each other. I don't know. I mean, LA can afford it. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> so, so before we wrap up here, and we're going to take a little look at the San Francisco Giants and their amazing 107-win season. Uh, but, Bert, I, I got some intel on you that I have not told you about till this moment. Uh-oh. And and um, you just got nervous, as, as you don't really need to be. But somebody <laughs> told me, Bert, that – and you've mentioned that you've got some weird eating habits, but the word on the street is that you eat rice without boiling the rice. Just like, I don't know, like ant poison, hard rice that you just somehow, some way ingest into your system. Is this true? Um, I don't, I don't know who your sources are, um, but I'm, I'm terrified at how good they are um, because that is true. So, I, I, yeah, I'll pour the raw, like it's minute rice. It's got to be like white minute rice. I pour it into a cup and like if I want something crunchy, I just like down it like I'm drinking a soda and I just crunch on it and it's good. Like, I, I mean, I prefer it cooked, obviously, but like I will absolutely 100 percent eat it raw. Um, but I, I, I'm more, I'm, I'm curious, like raw yeah. rice is good. That's what both that's maybe the boldest statement made in, in podcast history on any podcast in the history of the land. It, 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 like I firmly believe it too. Like I've some of my best friends in the world have seen me eat the raw rice. I literally just like, I don't know. We can't, can we swear on this podcast? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, pal. They'll look at me and ask like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. And they I, should. Yeah. They, should they, they do. They don't hold back. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that they're, they're, they're these are good friends. They're trying to help you. Yeah, but, but I mean, hey, your stomach doesn't doesn't bother your stomach. You're good. No, it's it's good. And I, I will say, like, it actually tastes better uncooked than cooked. Like that's that's my take for the day. 
Like that's, I, I got some, I got some stuff that's pretty bold out there for in, in a matter of food takes. We'll save it for a different episode. Like, okay. Okay. That's I, did, one. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't have thought there was actually a taste of an uncooked rice, but uh, just know that when I'm getting ready for this podcast every week, uh, I'm no, no stone unturned, my friend, I will find, so, so, I will find a nugget. And today was about you and your, your rice habits. All right. Back to our insider, Bert, while you're eating rice, how do the giants do this? Because Pakoda and any other baseball sabermetrician, even eyeball testers, no one, not even Hunter Armour, video leader, producer extraordinaire who won't talk on this podcast for some reason, he, he wouldn't have said they were going to win 107 games, and he's the most optimistic Giants fan of all time. So uh, give him credit, and – my guy Chris Bryant is celebrating wearing goggles and champagne and all that stuff. So I, I got no beef with San Francisco, but 107 wins was was really, really, really tall. Yeah, I, that's another one that is just stunning to me. And it's it's been a lot of different contributions. Like if we're sticking on the field, they've had guys like veterans such as Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, and Brandon Bell really step up. Um, and they've had some guys that have flown under the radar. Um like such as like Lamont Wade Jr. He is turned into one of the one of their most important players, and he was an acquisition that was basically viewed as an afterthought because um, it was a player for player trade with the Minnesota Twins. Um, but the Giants really liked his outlook. They thought he had some untapped power, um, and it's turned into like him thriving against right-handed pitchers. And he, he struggled against lefties. Don't get me wrong, but they won that trade, and that. It, it underscores just what Farhan Zaidi is trying to do with his roster. Like their bottom of the roster is among the best in baseball. Um, and they're deep from one to 25. Um, they obviously, they, they don't have a, a true star player, not like a Trey Turner or Mookie Betts or Fernando Tatis or anything like that. Um, but they have some very solid players and it's, it's led into this year. They also can credit Gabe Kapler. You can tr- credit his coaching staff, too, which is really unconventional. There's so many pl- like people on there. Um, and, yeah. Well, and when he got uh, let go by the Phillies, I remember at the time the Cubs were rumored to be one of the teams that was going to interview Gabe Kapler. And I was like, Gabe Kapler? He just got to run out of Philly. Why do you want that guy? So I don't know what went wrong in Philadelphia, but clearly that guy has rejuvenated his career, revived it, all of it. Yeah, like I, I've had some former players of his from Philadelphia, like I don't want to say bash, but they did not have favorable things to say about him. But Farhan, to his credit, he was firm in his stance of wanting him, and he was not the popular um, candidate among fans at the time. Like they thought, what are we doing? You replace Bruce Bochy, a legendary Hall of Fame manager, with Gabe Kapler, who just got to run out of Philadelphia. Um, but it's worked out to his credit. Um, and it's all of those things combined has led into this season. And um, like, you can't predict 107 wins for, for any team. Like that's just not feasible. I mean, unless it's the Dodgers and maybe like, then you can make an argument for it, but the giants they were projected to win 70 and now they want 107 like, mind blown. I should have rephrased that question. Because even the most optimistic Giants fans, they weren't thinking they were going to win the division. They might have said they were optimistic would have been they're going to be a playoff team. I'm telling you, they're right in there for the wild card. Yeah. But no one had them beating the Dodgers. No. And like entering the season, I think everybody thought they were going to finish maybe 
third in the division. I, I, I think that's probably the most out, really realistic outlook with having the Dodgers and Padres, no matter where you had them, one and two. Um, but the fact that they not only beat the Padres, but they beat the Dodgers, like they beat the World Series champions in the division. And, I, and if let's say the Dodgers end up beating the Cardinals, then it's going to end up. Um, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> Hunter's lying on the slack right now, saying that he had him winning the division. Yeah, I read that message as I was talking. I'm like, I know, I know you did. So I'm just bringing it in. I, I don't buy that he that Hunter had that. But no, okay. no, whatever you're smoking, Hunter, I'd like some of it, please. Yeah, thank you. No, I'm just it's, uh, and, and yeah, the, the, they missed the playoffs by last year by a game is 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 being underlined. That's true, and. The Dodgers went out and got Trevor Bauer. Uh, you know, this was they, – they, the rich were getting richer. They were. And, 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 and it wasn't a pandemic season, and, and they were – I don't know. I just uh, – I, I, it's an incredible, incredible accomplishment by San Francisco. You, do they want to play L.A., or are they praying that the Cardinals knock them out? I don't think you ever want to play the Dodgers, but if you want to establish yourself as the premier team in the national league, like they did it in the regular season, but the postseason is a whole different animal. And to be considered that premier team, you have to beat the best of the best. And that's the Dodgers. So maybe they don't want to play them, but I think that would absolutely confirm to people like this giants team is legit. I mean, that's the series we all want to see. Give me, give me San Francisco and LA. Oh gosh. Yeah. Then, Oh, that would be, like that's what you dream of. And it's a shame that neither of those teams, 106, 107 wins. It's a shame that both of them would not be in the national league championship series. Like it's going to only be one and they'll play the winner of uh, either the Braves or the Brewers. And I mean, it's still going to be a great series, but it, it could have been better. Who do you like in the Milwaukee series? So I like the, so I was convinced the Brewers are going to win that one pretty easily, but that Devin Williams injury, him punching the wall and but he was drunk. Like that has me less optimistic, but I still think they win, but their chances of beating the Dodgers or the Giants just got a lot more difficult, or even the Cardinals. I can't rule them out, um, but it, it became pretty difficult for them to do that because in order to beat them, they're going to have to be perfect. Well, they got a lot of weapons in that bullpen, though, and the rotation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Milwaukee's going to be a tough out. That's I, I, I got my fingers crossed with the crewers. Let's go. Let's go, Brew Crew. Come on, baby. Words I did not think I'd hear you say. Well, I listen, I've I've had I have a I have respect for Wisconsin just in general. It's uh, yeah, you know. I mean, Milwaukee's a great town. The Packers are are the most unique fan base in the NFL. Camp Randall's sweet. Giannis is awesome. I I I got I got respect for for your for your state up there, Robert Murray. Yeah, I got respect for your state too, my friend. We're, we're well, except uh, well, the Bears, the double doink. I got to mention that as an Eagles fan. That uh, yeah, my, my apologies. Oh, your face is lit up like a Christmas tree. Well, I may have struck a nerve. No, no, just, there's so many things you can crack the Bears on. We didn't have to go back to the last time they were like a, a actually a, I'll call them a viable playoff team. Uh, all right, hey, thank you to Robert Ford for joining the podcast. Thank you to you for listening and making it this far subscribing and rating is very, very, very much appreciated as we get the baseball insiders fan sided style going Bert, We're going to have playoff baseball to start talk about next week. 
Oh, I'm ready for it, my friend. Oh, hopefully you are too. Let's let's get our popcorn ready. Yep. Enjoy your wild card matchups. We'll be seeing you on Twitter, and then we will see you next week for the division series, which are going to most likely still all be going. Uh, thank you for checking out the Baseball Insiders. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.